Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody here today. I loved our uh, preliminary music that was going on here. Yeah, how many churches uh, start out a worship service with teenager in love? Just us. <laughs> that sets us apart, doesn't it? Welcome. We're glad that you're here, and it's a, it's great to be with each of you and to uh, to share this time of, uh, of worship together. And we welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. Uh, we'd like to ask, if you would, to take our attendance sheets on each row and to pass it down, uh, to sign it first and then pass it down so you can... Uh, uh, so we can have a record of your attendance with us. Check the appropriate box and give us uh, the information that you feel comfortable giving to us. We would certainly appreciate that this morning. We have uh, several announcements coming up. First of all, everything's decked out uh, in in uh, in fifties. Uh, people are decked out in fifties attire, and uh, the, everything is decked out in the kind of a fifties feel of things. So. We want to invite you uh, to stay after church today for a uh, for lunch. We're going to be having lunch here today, and it's a this is a fundraiser for our children's ministry. Uh, the the meals are fi- I think they're five dollars a piece, and so you know you're going to be spending that m- a lot more than that probably if you're going out to lunch today. So stay here with us today and uh, share in lunch. I think we're going to be having a pie auction as well. And uh, so that's always a lot of fun and, and always good as well. So I uh, hope you'll stay and be a, be a part of that. Also like to remind you that next Sunday, uh, Gary Ely from Horizon Stewardship will be here. He will preach during the, uh, the morning worship service. And then immediately after the service, we'll take just a few minutes break. And then we'll reconvene uh, for a meeting uh, with him where he will um, explain to us um, about a possible capital campaign that we're thinking about. Uh, we would like to really make a dent and hopefully even pay off uh, the debt that we have on this church because, you know what, the money that we're going, uh, that's going towards the mortgage on this church every month uh, could be better spent for God's kingdom, I think. We could use that for, for ministry um, uh, ministry. Uh, actions instead of just pouring it into into a building. So uh, hopefully we can do this and make a huge dent and maybe even pay this building off in the next few years. So come and be be a part of that. Uh, he will he will explain the process and he will answer any questions that you have. So please come with your questions and uh, and we will uh, be discussing that in times times to come. Also, uh, we are getting geared up for our Upwards ministry. We will be uh, sending the uh, brochures out through the schools beginning tomorrow. We'll be taking those to the schools tomorrow. And it, it has become a tradition that we say thank you to the teachers that, that do this by providing uh, trays of cookies for them. And so we're looking for cookies uh, that we can take to the schools. So if you can... Uh, make some homemade cookies tonight and bring them tomorrow. That would certainly be appreciated. And um, Sybil, let's see here. There she is. I think she's got some other announcements related to Upward as well. Our first uh, registration is next Saturday from 9 to 12. We could still use a couple of volunteers at the registration table and the sizing table. So if you are able to come and help and haven't already signed up on the volunteer sign-up sheet, if you would please let me or Mary Ryan know um, 
next Saturday. We also have uh, registrations next Monday night from 5.30 to 7.30, Tuesday night from 5.30 to 7.30, and the following Saturday from 9 to 12. So if you can help with any of those days, um, either sizing or evaluations, guys, we need some um, guys out here to run the basketball players through their drills as well. So if you can help with evaluations, that would be great. Um, for those of you who haven't had a chance to sign up at last Sunday's Upward Breakfast, I do have volunteer sheets still over here on the table. If you would um, pray about where God would like for you to help with this ministry and fill out a volunteer sheet, please. Thank you. Thank you, Sybil. Uh, speaking of volunteer sheets, there's another one on the table as well. We'll be, we'll be uh, having our Shoreway fundraiser. This, this is money that goes towards our, our missions events. That's September the 18th and 19th, or is it 17th and 18th? Anyway, 18th and 19th. And, um, and, and so if you'd like to volunteer to help with that uh, next month, there's a sign-up sheet over there for that as well. And one more thing before we uh, sing our, 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 our hymn of um, gathering, uh, I want to welcome Rachel Hobson to our staff. We voted on Wednesday for her to become our uh, youth director, and so welcome aboard, Rachel. Yeah. Now let us stand and sing our song of gathering, 197, Rejoice the Lord is King.
please pray with me. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are so grateful for the privilege of meeting together as your people to worship and to honor you. We are encouraged and strengthened as we sing and pray together and as we are challenged to walk in your ways and to remain steadfast in your radical call of discipleship. We need to hear from you today, O Lord. We need to be drawn closer to you. We are all needy people, and we earnestly seek your will and your way. We need you, Lord. And we desire to feel your presence near us, not only here in church on Sunday, but out there in our everyday lives. Because we are the church every day. And we want to portray the Spirit of Christ every day of our lives, in our homes, in our offices, in school, and at our, at our places of business. Meeting together here each week helps us to be faithful throughout our week. And now, Lord, as you look down inside each of us, we know that you see all the things that are there that no one else can see. And as we reach out to you, we know that you're already reaching out to us. And so we pray today for forgiveness for those times that we fail you. We pray for encouragement for those who are discouraged. We pray for comfort for those who are sorrowing and sad. We pray for healing for those who are sick. Lord, we are all different, but we all need the assurance of your loving presence. And we thank you that you're always here and that we can always depend upon you. As we break bread around the communion table today, remind us of the extraordinary gift of your body broken for us. When we hold the cup, remind us of the extraordinary gift of, of your blood poured out for us. And through these simple acts, O oh God, and through all of life, may your simple words be most <coughs> profound, the most profound words that we hear. God is love. God is love. God is love. Amen.
reading for John 6, 56 through 69. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, but they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked his twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord. Said wherever's comfortable for them. I learn better when I'm comfortable. All right. Oh, you're so cute. So, who did something different this week? Who did something they haven't been doing the last few months? Who did something different this week? What'd you do? School. I like school. You know why? Because now I'm not the only one who gets up and leaves the house in the morning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so Miss Lou read the scripture, and it was about Jesus and his followers, and he was teaching them, kind of like school, and he taught them, or he, he gave them a lesson that some of them didn't really understand. It, you know, they said it was difficult to understand. Uh, and you're going to learn lessons in school that, that are difficult to understand, but if you think about it and think about it with an open mind and think about what your teacher's trying to tell you, You'll learn. It's easy. I mean, we all we all learn. Now about following. How many people? Who who did you did you drive here today? You did. Okay. Who brought you? Who brought you? Your parents. Who brought you? Your parents. Grandparents. Your aunt. See, those people are helping you to follow Jesus because they make it important for you to come here. They, and it's very important that they help you and encourage you to help you learn and follow. Uh, and for that, we're going to give them a little something here in a minute. Uh, but does anybody know anything about Facebook? 
too young for that. Face, Facebook, it's not a new concept because you know 2,000 years ago, Jesus wanted you to like him. And he wanted you to follow him. But most importantly, he wanted you to share him. Share him with others. Tell everybody where you go to church. Bring him with you. So your parents brought you and your grandparents brought you. Parents are very important in your, in your bringing you to church. And grandparents are too. Uh, some very dear friends of mine had a grandparent pass away this week. And we want to keep them in our prayers. Jake and Kelsey's grandfather passed away this week. And he was a very important man to them. He, uh, he was a very God-loving man. And he... He was, a, he was a pleasure to know. I didn't know him for a very long time, but I really, he was a really nice guy. So, all right, let's have a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to follow you. We know at times we, don't, we may stray, we may lose our way, but we know you're always there waiting for us to, to catch back up and follow you, to learn. And we know that you want us to help others follow you. We want, you want us to share your love. You love everyone. All they have to do is accept it. So we ask your prayer for these young people. May they continue on that path. May they continue to follow. May they lead others. And we ask these in your name. Amen. <coughs>
to read a verse out of the Bible before I pray. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you today for your blessings that you bestow upon us all. Father, I pray for our congregation today. Lord, may we all give with the gladness and sincerity. Father, no one ever gives a present to someone with reluctance, and we should never give you what already belongs to you with reluctance either. Bless these tithes and offerings this day. We love you, Father, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Former heavyweight boxer James Quick Tillis is a cowboy from Oklahoma. He fought out of Chicago in the early 1980s, and he, uh, he was a deeply religious man. Uh, and he, he's remembered as the first boxer ever to take Mike Tyson, make Ty, Mike Tyson go the distance in a heavyweight bout. Now, Tillis had his disappointments as a boxer, but they they didn't rob him of his sense of humor. He still remembers the first day that he came to Chicago from Tulsa. He said, I got off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under my arms in downtown Chicago, and I stopped in front of the Sears Towers. I put my suitcases down and looked up the, at the towers, and I said to myself, I'm going to conquer Chicago. And when I looked down, the suitcases were gone. <laughs> 
What a way to begin your boxing career. But Tillis didn't quit. He didn't quit. He was never a quitter. He kept trying and trying and trying. He didn't accomplish everything that he wanted to accomplish. But he was no quitter. However, some of those who followed Jesus were. Some of the people who followed Jesus were disappointed. And we've... As we've noted before, they were expecting one kind of Messiah, but Jesus introduced them to a totally different kind of Messiah. So let's think about the background of today's passage for just a moment. A couple of weeks ago, we, we dealt with the feeding of the 5,000, and actually the 5,000 was, a number, was the, the number of men who were fed, and there were women and children present there as well, so that brought the number Uh, a lot higher than 5,000, many, many thousands of people, perhaps as many as 10,000 people there. But how did Jesus have that many people following him in the first place? Well, he had been healing people like Jairus' daughter and the woman with the issue of blood. He had been sending his disciples out with power and with authority, and they were casting out demons and healing the sick. So his ministry was going viral. People were following him because he was meeting their needs. And this made him so popular that the people wanted to make him king. But this was not why Jesus came to this earth. That's not what Jesus came to do. He wanted to be the king of their lives and not the king of their country. That would have been a a terrible mistake. We see it all the time. We see it time and time again what happens when people take over countries in the name of religion. Generally, they are more apt to fulfill Satan's goals than God's goals. And so Jesus doesn't want to be the king of our country. He wants to be the king of our lives. And so we come to our lesson for today And John explains it like this. He said, from time to time, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, I want you to notice that it doesn't say that many in the crowd turned back or that many that he fed had uh, turned back. We might expect something like that. Uh, like many people today, there are always there will always be those who church hop, who jump from church to church, and, and they'll keep on shopping until they find a church that gives them exactly what they want. And, and so we could understand it if John said that many of those who were fed turned back. But what he said was, from time to time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, I put disciples a little higher level than those who are just interesting bystanders. This means that some of the church's deacons and elders and board members and Sunday school teachers and choir members and ushers turned their backs on Jesus. They thought that the ship was taking on water and in danger of sinking, and so they turned their backs and they left. But what was actually happening here was a right-sizing of Jesus' followers. The fact is that sometimes in order to have a body that's moving in the right direction, I hate to say this, folks, but you have to run a few people off. (laughs) 
And I know that we don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that, but it's true because we think that we should always be expanding and growing, and that is our goal. We should, be, we should have that as our goal. We want to do that. But you know what? Some people are actually a detriment to the kingdom of God. And it's impossible for a church to move forward if the highest principle of that church is to keep everybody happy because that's impossible. Don Cousins, Leith Anderson, and Arthur DeCroyder in their book titled Mastering Church Management, tells a story about a young pastor in, the, in his first church. It was a small congregation, about 35 families. And among them was a successful businessman who provided a large part of the, the church's income. And when a need arose around the church, something came up uh, in the congregation, the congregation would raise some money and he would always pay the rest. And everybody knew about it because he made sure everybody knew about it. And, and so naturally, this gave him a lot of power. And when this young pastor arrived at the church, he discovered just a, a few days before their first communion service that, that even though the congregation served, uh, always served communion in individual cups, this man and his family was served with the common cup. A deacon would serve them separately from the rest of the congregation. And when the pastor heard about this, he, he reacted strongly. It, it wasn't because he opposed the common cup. That wasn't the, the issue at all. The issue was the fact that this wealthy family was treated differently from everybody else. And the pastor said, no, wait a minute here. This, this of all times is a time of unity. And why, would, why are we divided and taking communion? Well, because he was taken off guard with this, he went along with it on that first Sunday. But before the next communion service, he went to the deacons and explained why this wasn't good for the church. And he discovered that the congregation had voted some time back to use the little individual cups, but the board had never enforced that policy only with this particular family. And then the pastor told them point blank, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to serve this family communion this way again. And furthermore, I think that you deacons need to tell this family that it's not going to happen here again. And I'd like somebody to make a motion to support this policy that the congregation decided. And so they voted to affirm the congregation's actions. And then the pastor said, now who's going to go tell them? Well, naturally, nobody wanted to go tell that family that. And so he said, I'll go if, if one of you will go with me. And so one of them agreed. And they went. Now, I want you to imagine this scene. This is, this is hard for us to take here a little bit. I want you to imagine this scene. Here's a 25-year-old pastor sitting across from a 60-year-old man in the middle of his magnificent, richly appointed house, a beautiful place. The whole family is there, the man and his wife, a bachelor son and a, a, a single daughter. And this young pastor told them that he, he understood that the congregation had voted uh, to take communion from individual cups and that he thought it was important to be united in this practice and not, and, and for, not to make exceptions for just a, a few elite. And so they weren't going to be using the common cup anymore when they took communion. And as expected, he received a serious dressing down from this businessman. Who do you think you are? 
coming in here and disturbing things. This has been done for years. The common cup is, is meaningful to us. You're, you're wrong to take this expression of faith away from us. And, and so the pastor said, well, the deacons voted to uphold the decision of the congregation. And now we intend to put this policy into practice. Then we'll have to leave the church, the father said. Well, the pastor tried to keep his voice calm. Matter of fact, as he said, and where would you like for us to send your membership? Everything got quiet. Nobody had ever spoken to this family like that before. They didn't believe the church could even exist without them. But when they realized that the pastor meant what he was saying, even to the point of seeing them go, they said, let us pray about it. So that's the way they left it. To make a long story short, they ended up staying in the church, but their stranglehold over the church was broken. And sometimes that has to happen in order for a church to move forward. We, and we don't like to see anybody leave the church. We don't like that. I mean, every believer is precious to God. But, but you know what? Even Jesus couldn't keep everybody happy. And he didn't try. He only wanted those who were committed to the cause for which he was sent. But here's what happened. Here's what happened in our passage for today. All these people had gathered around Jesus and were following him all over the place. But then he started talking about the cost involved. He started to talk about his broken body. His shed blood. And he started calling upon people to take up their own cross. And, and people didn't like to hear that. And they left. Now, did it hurt Jesus to see those who had been with him for so long to, to turn their backs on him? Sure it did. They had been with him when he healed the lame. They had been with him when he gave sight to the blind. They had been with him when he fed the thousands of people. Couldn't they see that he was the one who is to come? Even if he didn't meet their expectations of what a Messiah should be? Couldn't they see that he was the Savior of the world? Couldn't they see that there, was never, there had never been anyone like him before? But I've got to ask us another question. Can't we see who he is? My friends, researchers tell us that every, listen to this folks, this will get your attention. Every week in this nation, over 53,000 people leave the church never to return again. Every week. 53,000 people leave the church never to return again. And even among those who remain, only about 20% are really committed to their faith. Now, why is that? Is it because there are so many casual worshipers who come a few times a year without, uh, simply out of tradition and not because they really believe that Jesus is, the, is our Savior? Is that why there are so few who are willing to serve him? Jesus said, 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. An unknown writer tells about visiting a fast-growing church in Minnesota to learn from their staff there. And and it was a privilege to witness their passion for doing high-quality ministry in the name of Jesus. And he left with a lot of new insights and a renewed passion for the gospel Well, one of the phrases that he heard while he was there was this. We want our members to wear aprons and not bibs. Now, that's an interesting statement. It's an interesting phrase, aprons and not bibs. And here's what what they meant by that. Bibs are for people who only want to be fed. Bibs are for people who are not yet ready or willing to feed themselves. Bibs are for people who are more interested in being served than in serving. Bibs are for people who insist that the church exists for them and their needs. Bibs are for for babes in the faith who haven't yet caught God's vision for the church. But on the other hand, aprons are for those who have a heart to serve others. And aprons are for those who know that, that they are the church. And aprons are for those who... Don't mind getting their hands dirty. Aprons are for those who take the time to feed their own spiritual hunger. Aprons are for those who are growing in faith and hunger to help others grow in their faith as well. Church growth consultant Wynne Arn interviewed thousands of Christians in America several years ago and asked them what they thought the church existed for. And here's what he said. He said that 88% said that the church exists to serve my needs and the needs of my family. 88% of those that he interviewed said that the church exists to serve my needs and the needs of my family. In other words, 88% of Christians in America are still wearing bibs. They believe that the church exists to serve them, not so that they can serve the world. On the night when he was betrayed, just a, just a few hours before he was hung on that cross, the very Son of God took off his outer garments and wrapped a towel around his waist, and he washed his disciples' feet. And when he was done, he said, I have just given you an example to follow. In other words, Jesus was calling upon his disciples to wear aprons, not bibs. Jesus said, for even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. And he also said, if you cling to your own life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. My friends, Jesus is calling upon us to wear aprons not bibs. Apparently, a lot of people came to Jesus to be fed. And when he challenged them to feed others, they weren't interested. And it hurt Jesus to see many who had been with him for so long to turn their backs on him and to walk away. And so he turned to the twelve who were standing there and said to them, ask him, sadly, I'm sure, Do you want to leave too? And of course, it was Simon Peter who answered, Lord, 
to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And that's why we're here today. That's why so many of of you have exchanged your bib for an apron. That's why you have decided that a casual involvement in the life of the church is not enough. You see, you are a part of those who have, have come to believe and to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God. I hope you believe that. And folks, there is no way for us to be casual about that knowledge if you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because if Jesus really is the Savior of our world, then how can we possibly give Him anything less than our best? And if Jesus really is the Son of God, then how can we give Him anything less than our all? In her book, Amazing Grace, Kathleen Norris tells about an evening that she was, uh, when she was making a presentation about her book, and a woman in the audience asked her a painful question. She said, I don't mean to be offensive, but I don't understand how you can get so much comfort from a religion whose language does so much harm. And when Kathleen struggled, um, she struggled to respond to this question, and she did that because she understood the question. She herself had been distant from faith for many years, and she knew it, what it was like to, to struggle with the traditional language of faith. And then suddenly she realized that the troublesome word in this woman's question was the word comfort. The questioner asked her how she had found such comfort in her religion. And so Kathleen answered that she didn't think it was comfort that she was seeking or comfort that she found. She said, as far as I'm concerned, this religion has saved my life and my husband's life, and our marriage. It's not comfort that I'm talking about. It's salvation. And I suspect that there are some of us who have grown all too comfortable in our faith. Even some of us who have been around the church for a lot of years are still wearing bibs and not aprons. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Have you come to that knowledge as well? Do you know what Kathleen Norris meant when she said that her faith had saved her life and her husband's life and their marriage? Is it that important to you? Many who followed Jesus turned back. Only his most committed disciples remained. Are you a part of that group? Amen. We've come to that portion of our service where we will... um, Celebrate the ordinance of communion, the Lord's Prayer. 
I'd like to ask our deacons to come and take your place and uh, prepare for our service. As we take this, uh, we have the bread here before you and the, and the cup. And we'd like to ask if you would to begin in the back rows to come down the middle aisle. There will be someone here to, uh, uh, to hold the bread and you'll take the piece of bread and then go to the next station and dip the bread into the cup and then take that and eat the bread that is soaked with the fruit of the vine as an expression of, of worship for God. We also have uh, uh, some, some deacons will be in the back because we realize that not everybody can come forward. It's difficult for some people to come forward and to receive uh, communion in this way. And so we invite you to stay where you are if you would like, and some deacons will come and to serve you and will serve you uh, in your place as well. You know what? What we are doing here is it's a it's an act of commitment, and I want to say that everyone is involved. Everyone is invited to be a part of this. I never saw Jesus turning anyone away, and so everyone is invited to be a part of the Lord's Supper, and we invite you to do that. But this, by doing this, we are acknowledging something very, very important. We are acknowledging what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. We are acknowledging the lengths to which Christ would go to see His kingdom established on this earth, even to die on the cross. And he was serious when he said to us that you should take up your own cross and follow me. That's not talking about something hanging around your neck. That's talking about how you live your life. That's talking about the level of commitment that you have for his kingdom. And so it's my prayer as we take communion today that each of us would reflect upon our own commitment to the Lord Because God is totally committed to you. And I hope we can reciprocate by giving God our entire lives and only the very best of our lives. Please join me in our responsive reading, a prayer of preparation for our communion. To God be the glory, great things God has done. To prepare ourselves to partake of this holy meal, let us pray. Healing God, we come before you broken, yet seeking wholeness. Isolated, yet seeking communion. Overwhelmed, yet seeking simplicity. Shamed, yet seeking grace. God of justice, we come before you, selfish, yet seeking a generous heart, arrogant, yet seeking humility, responsible for injustices, yet seeking forgiveness. God of peace, we come before you, afraid, yet seeking assurance, 
agitated yet seeking serenity, angry and yet seeking a forgiving heart. Knowing that through Christ all things are made new, we come to this communion table to be recreated through the bread and the cup and to be renewed in our faith and commitment. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is given for you. And on that same night after supper, he took a cup of wine and said, this is my blood that is shed for you. He said, take this blood and uh, take this bread and eat it and take this, this cup and drink from it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we are doing as we take the bread and the cup today. We are, we are proclaiming the lengths to which God would, would go to see God's kingdom established here. That Jesus would even die for you. And as we take this, let, our, let us also think about our commitment to his commitment to us. And let us resolve ourselves to strengthen our faith and to strengthen our commitment to our Lord. Would you come and partake of the Lord's Supper?
God loves us so much. One of the favorite passages of Scripture for so many people. For God so loved the world and He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave God's Son for you. I hope that sinks in for all of us. And I hope as we have experienced the communion together today that we have experienced that commitment and we've resolved to ourselves to be just as committed. We have a special benediction today. I'm not going to stand here and pronounce a benediction. Our choir is going to do that for us as they sing together until we meet again.
on. If you are staying for the lunch today, we ask you to please go ahead and take a table. Go ahead and be seated at a table and we'll get started. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Until we...
State Department is pulling an agent that specializes in cartel activity. You'll be part of the team. What's our objective? To dramatically overreact. Everybody, we're going to have a pie auction. The girls want to say something first. All the ladies just want, wanted to uh, make sure you need to face the crowd. There you go. If you don't know why you're staying for lunch today, um, there will be 15 or 16 of us leaving Friday for Holiday World. It is a prayer retreat 
Plus, it's all day Saturday of Christian music. So the girls get to stay in the RV at Holiday World for two nights, Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, We'll be going to the park. We'll be doing the Christian concerts up until about midnight Saturday night. And then we will be coming home on Sunday morning. We'll be home about 1230. So this is a fundraiser. Um, They're The concerts are quite popular. This is the Christian Music Fest, and the Newsboys, Sidewalk Prophets, some of the better-known Christian bands will be there to perform. So it is a weekend prayer retreat, and we will do several devotions. We'll do several prayers, and we're making it a prayer retreat. So thank you all very much for staying, and the girls will be serving you momentarily. You can have a, uh, we have, thank you, Larry White and John Dunham for cooking. Thank you, Sue Berry and Juanita and Dottie and the girls for decorating last night. Everything looks great. Thanks to Sue Berry for getting this all together. Thank you, ma'am. And um, it looks adorable. Now, obviously, we're all going to be down at this end. So you need to, in your table, you need to pick. One person to do a bubblegum contest, because this is going to tell us who's going to eat first. And a hula hoop contest. So pick one person from your table that's going to represent your table. And we're going to go ahead with the pie auction while we're getting everything ready. We have cheeseburger baskets. We have hamburger baskets. We have bratwurst baskets. We have uh, J&B barbecue baskets. So it's, uh, your sides will be coleslaw, macaroni salad, potato salad, macaroni and cheese, corn and green beans. So thank you all very much for staying, and we're going to get on and start getting dinner ready. Thank you very much. All right. Okay, everybody get your money out. All right, we got a nice pecan pie, and it is heavy. It must weigh 50 pounds. Who's my first bidder? Somebody give me $10 for it. Somebody give me 10 There's a 10 All right, give me 15 Anybody give me 15 $15? How about $12? Pecan pie. Weighs 50 pounds. Oh, up. 15 Got 15 over here. 20 Got 20 over here. How about 20 20 25 25 Got 30 over here? 30 over here. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, 30? We'll find you some ice cream. 35? 35. How about about 40? How about 40? Was that a a nod, scratch? 35? 